What is up, everybody? Welcome to the week four DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, what's up, buddy? How you feeling? Doing well. Fresh off an interesting week three slate. Seems like we got all the late information correct, at least, for everyone that joins us in the Discord at 10.45 a.m. Eastern every Sunday morning. We even talked about what to do around your game stacks. And uh, I think I was the one who said, actually, like the one that's sneaking by is skinny stacking, at least the Patriots-Ravens game, because that's the one that no one's talking about with the highest ceiling players. So that, fortunately, I got enough of those players right to come away in the green for the first time all season. So we're just hoping to build and get the entire lineup right for a change. Yeah, we had a couple really nice hits uh, from users in the Discord. For some reason, they they always seem better at putting our information together than we are. We also I'm given uh, the right plays in my <laughs> tournament article. Yeah, uh, I can't seem to be piecing it together myself, but it's I know everyone case. else is doing well with the plays because of what we see. Yeah, we had a nice Devontae Smith call in one of our articles as well, uh, so so that helped a lot of people. Uh, if you guys haven't signed up for the Discord yet, if you're watching this live on YouTube, you still got a couple hours left to use the September promo code SUBTEMBER. That's S-U-B-T-E-M-B-E-R, just like it's spelled out at the bottom, to get 25% off the DFS sub. And uh, if you're listening to this tomorrow or, or Saturday when the audio drops, Maybe, maybe we'll be lucky and Josh and Luis didn't turn the, the code off yet. So uh, use that to get signed up for 25% off. We go through uh, Super Bowl weekend. So you still get plenty of value out of that sub. And, and like uh, Daigle said, we've been crushing in the Discord. So definitely worth it to get access to the content, the tools, the Sunday morning chat. Um, every week, what we've been doing, if you haven't listened yet uh, this season, uh, going over our one decision point, kind of a macro theory based concept. If you want to get caught up on some some other big overarching concepts, you could go to the DFS Strategy Hub and check out our full library of con- uh, content there. But this is week four specific. Daigle, what is week four? What's standing out to you as far as a, a macro concept you're really focusing in on? I really think we should be sitting on the weather situations that everyone is now worried about with the Bills, Ravens, and Jaguars, Eagles. And I'm not saying to fade these games as their totals continue to drop. I am saying that I am going to be locked in Sunday morning because it may give us all a position. Like, I wasn't going to actually play that game. I was going to avoid it anyhow. I think there are reasons to go under that game. But if everyone's now fading it because of weather, uh, Lamar Jackson getting there with his legs as a top two ceiling on this slate, Josh Allen dumping the ball as, as we've seen, he hasn't been throwing deep much anyhow because he's been dealing with two high safeties. That There are a lot of reasons not to worry about the rain or the wind as long as it's not torrential, and we may now get these players at lower rostered. So I'm just saying I think it's going to be a key factor in one direction, and I'm not exactly sure that's the direction everyone's sitting on, the direction to fade the game. Like I'll actually be very interested in it if some if for some reason now everyone's sneaking by yeah weather i think is one of those things that is typically overrated especially rain anytime there's rain in the forecast it seems like we get so many questions of whether we're we're fading guys or not and um our own chris allen at four for four has done some really good studies on weather and and typically unless it's like that chicago game game we saw in week one typically rain um doesn't 
doesn't uh, deflect the offenses too much from, from doing what they do. It's those heavy wins that could really have some problems. And even then, like and, until it gets up to that, like, tw- like steady 20 miles per hour, uh, it, it's really not going to do a lot to uh, move our projections. And the thing about it is things that we're looking at for DFS, whether it uh, be game totals or team totals, they're taking these things into account too. They're not ignoring weather. So when those start moving, uh, that could be an indicator for us to start paying attention to the weather. As you said, some of those game totals are dropping. Um, I, I also think that might just have a lot to do with maybe some of the, the numbers just being a little overzealous to begin with. I mean, the slate is is kind of ugly uh, after we get past that Bills-Ravens game. So um, maybe there were just some inflated totals to start the week out. It's definitely something I'll be looking forward to seeing what happens with the Bills Ravens players in particular on Sunday morning. Yeah. The one thing that I'm really paying attention to this week, and and this is very similar to the discussions we've had already uh, in this segment about flipping the build and, and uh, making contrarian builds in terms of where you're putting your salary. But this week, especially I'm really paying attention to my uh, salary allocation as it pertains to position, because we're, getting a lot of injury news rolling in now and and probably we'll get it coming through Sunday. So we're going to have a lot of, um, a a lot of cheap plays, maybe more cheap plays than we've had all year. And I think that will naturally uh, result in some really obvious studs and duds builds, uh, which will give us an opportunity to, to go with some balance builds. And on top of that, if we look at where people usually start their, lineups from at least their tournament lineups their their quarterback stacks it's very top heavy and then there's a lot of really big value so you got josh allen jalen hurts and lamar jackson and then if you look at the value plays it's going to be a lot of geno smith and marcus mariota so you're going to have a huge gap in quarterback salary so if you're starting from a different standpoint in that mid salary tier you're going to give yourself a really big chance to um to to be contrarian there as well so obviously from a cash game perspective we're not too worried about that. We're playing the values, we're playing the best plays. We're making other people prove themselves from a tournament perspective, really pay attention to on when final projections come out late tomorrow night and especially Sunday morning, when we figure out who the obvious cheap plays are going to be, pay attention to where the big salary is going to go. Are people going to be paying down at, at receiver to get to a high price stack? Or are people going to be paying down at receiver to get to a high price running back in some medium stacks. I think the answer is probably going to be the former, but let's really pay close attention to that on Sunday in discord. We will definitely be addressing that. I think Mark Andrews will probably get naturally steamed because that makes sense. the tight end position is a disaster. There's literally only three guys that I'll have in my pool. Like I'm not interested genuinely in playing anyone. Um, I don't even want to play TJ Hawk. I've never want to play TJ Hawkinson, but maybe since Finally, a Monroe say Brown's not around to eat his target share shallow. Maybe he finally does something for the first time in his career. So, yeah, it's tight end. It's so bad this week that I bet Andrews just naturally gets played. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the obvious combo that people will would want on this slate with like like independent of salary would be like a Allen Diggs Andrews or Lamar Andrews Diggs. And without some crazy values, um, that's almost impossible. And when we start getting these Richie James type plays opening up with the Giants injuries, um, that opportunity is going to open up. So I think that is that those two are probably the most obvious guys that get steamed. Stefan Diggs and Mark Andrews might see their ownership go through the roof by Sunday morning. 
that game is going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into our plays of the week, I want to remind everybody watching and listening about No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. You could play pick em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 extra entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every sport or major sports league. Sign up now with promo code 4 for 4 at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get a first-time deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today. Experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You do not want to miss out on No House Advantage. All right, let's jump right into it, starting with the quarterbacks like every week. And at top, I mentioned how I think there's going to be um, this gap in the middle of quarterback salary and you like living right in that gap. The Broncos, I believe, are in for a bounce back game. And my favorite part about it is that given the options, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, no one is going to play Russell Wilson. No one's going to play the Broncos offense. Maybe they play Cortland Sutton, but no one's going to play Russell Wilson with him. Also, if you look at projections, including our own across the injury, uh, industry, um, Russell Wilson actually doesn't project as a ceiling play either. But as our friend Evan Silva would say, that's when I that's when I go ahead and ignore the spreadsheet socialist. And I tell you, Russell Wilson has one of the highest ceilings on the slate. I do not care what the projections say. Uh, just in knowing that the Broncos are still above average and football outsiders is yards per drive. They sit 13th overall, but they're actually next to last in points per drive. And that's because they've been a terrible red zone team. Russell Wilson's eight for 18 inside the 20, hasn't thrown a touchdown. But you look on the other side of the ball now, and this Raiders defense is allowing the third highest red zone scoring percentage to uh, opponents. Uh, over 80% of the pet possessions against them, they've allowed points on their drives. So I definitely think this is the week that Russell Wilson gets it right. And it's such a concerted target tree. It may not even be Jerry Judy, honestly. Like we've seen. Well, we'll get to, we'll talk about Cortland Sutton in a minute, but overall, just the fact that Sutton has emerged for 21 targets the past two games, Jerry Judy has really only played a game and a half the past two weeks. He basically missed three full quarters this past game, so no one's seen him on the field for a while either. His salary also comes in that middle range where everyone's just going to choose to pay down to a 4,600, 4,100, 4K player instead of getting up to 5,600. They'll just gloss over it. So everyone naturally tags along with Russell Wilson as one of the probably the best low roster double stack in the afternoon slate as well. So it's like the late swapping opportunities too in a week where there are only three late swapping opportunity contests. So everything makes sense to just pile on a Wilson double stack this week. Yeah. I wrestled with this game quite a bit when I was doing my GPP write-up because it, comparatively speaking, the total isn't um, super high. Like it ranks pretty low, but from an absolute standpoint, there's only one game with a super high uh, over under and the rest of the games are really bunched together. So like, even though um, the, the, the lions uh, for example, is, I think it's at 47 and a half is the second highest. That's still not that far from this game, which I believe is at 45 and a half. Uh, I, I guess the, the reason everybody is going to either these super top tier quarterbacks or dipping down in salary is because obviously Hertz, Lamar, Josh Allen can go nuclear. 
if you're going to give that up, you want to give up a a quite a bit in salary because then at least you de- don't need those guys to go absolutely nuclear for all of your your players to hit. But like I said, the reason that I think the mid tier quarterback can work is because it gives you it at least starts you out towards like a balanced salary roster. So like sure at a standalone play, maybe maybe Russell Wilson is giving a lot up in ceiling to those top guys. And he is giving up a little bit in salary to those really big value plays, but your roster as a whole, if if you're jamming in, like we talked about earlier, if you're jamming in um, Andrews Diggs and, and Josh Allen or some other expensive combo, like you're now you're giving yourself, I don't know, two like a, I don't know. A, a, I don't even know what Matt Collins salary is. I think it might be up a little bit, but like just for example, a Matt Collins and a Richie James, do they both really have tournament winning potential at the same time? And you mentioned if you play Russ, you're, you're doubling him. Do you want to expand on that at all? It's Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. The, the yeah, targets just, don't go anywhere else. Like even Javante Williams is next closest on the team the past two weeks with nine targets. But again, Jerry Judy missed three quarters, so I don't even count that. Like it would be yeah, that's true. And so I think it's yeah. very true, very clear that the targets only go in two players' directions. That's it. Uh, plus, we'd be soaking up all the passing touchdowns with Russell Wilson, and knowing you can still use value like this way. If you still choose to use value at running back, you can pay up because. No one is still going to pay up for Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. Everyone's naturally going to get to Stephon Diggs and Mark Andrews. And Adams and Waller still are top three in ceiling projections at their position. So I think it's actually a great game stack opportunity as well um, if you want to ignore Bill's Ravens. Yeah, I was really, really close to writing up Devontae. And then, awesome play. And, Pat, and then you and Pat James both wrote him up. So I was like, oh yeah, I was wrong for not writing him up. So uh, I think Devonte is a good, good player to add to your tournament pool this week. Um, I'm going to talk about one of those low salary quarterbacks and that's Geno Smith um, down at 6,600 on Fandle, 5,400 on DraftKings in the game with the 47 and a half point over under against Detroit. And we'll have quite a bit more to say about Detroit, but to just talk about uh, Geno and Seattle for now, this is the game tied for the second highest total on the slate. We currently have Gino projected on four for four as a top five value on both sites. Uh, typically, you can afford to to pay up at quarterback on FanDuel. Uh, so he's an even better value on DraftKings where he projects as a top two quarterback. The great thing about week four at four for four is that's when we drop our schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed takes raw fantasy points adjusted for the teams that the defense has been playing against once we get three weeks of data. We start rolling those out to get better as the season goes on. First set of rankings came out. Detroit bottom 10 and schedule just to finish points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And the surprising thing, really the surprising things about both of these teams, the Lions have been one of the most efficient scoring offenses in the league. And we like to have a team that could push them if we're going to target a game. Surprisingly, Seattle has been a team that has been up in pace this year, um, up in pace and up in neutral passing rate. So uh, if you are getting away from those those top tier guys, at least in a cash game environment, it makes a lot of sense to go all the way down to a guy like Gino. And again, like I said, from a, from a lineup building ceiling perspective, like the good thing about rostering someone like him is if he gets you 24 points at at uh 5.4 k uh that that's really good you don't need the 38 39 that you need from from a lamar or a josh allen again the the caution is to not just have three or four 
uh, uh, super cheap guys, I think that really hurts your ceiling, but it does let you get really creative. The thing that I, I am concerned a little bit about is Detroit, even though they've been efficient talking about how this game can, they can push each other. Um, Detroit is down their two best players. Uh, and I mean, I think that there's a chance that both of the running games actually kind of get involved in this game. And you actually touted Rashad Penny this week. So do you want to talk about why you think this could be a penny game and why Gino might be a little bit of a trap? I wonder if that total is wrong. Um, we've seen the past couple of weeks too. Vegas is still prone to get things extremely wrong based on uh, assumptions on just three weeks worth of data. They got, and I was wrong on this too, but they got, Dolphins Ravens, for example, in week two, like they were 30 points off the total. Um, that was one that sank to like nearly 40 points combined, and the over went well over that, obviously. Uh, last week we saw this as well in a couple games. Thursday night, you saw a 51 total between the Bengals and Dolphins, even though I did bet the under. I, I didn't believe in either of those offenses that situation. Uh, that one failed to live up to expectations. I think the total on this one's pretty off. Like, yes, you're right. Seattle did up their pace significantly, in particular last week. They ran over 50 plays for the first time all week, and they reached 69. So pretty fast and neutral game script as well last week. But also, Detroit is so talent-deprived right now that it honestly may just be a big Rashad Penny game. It's, it's still indoors as well, and we saw Penny receive week one usage like they threw Ken Walker out there when he was healthy for the first time all year in week two he split touches essentially and then they said okay enough of this and then Penny basically got the same usage that he received without Walker in week one he handled 67 percent of running back carries and then when Travis Homer their third down back went down Penny ran a route on 55 percent of dropbacks last week and 26 routes in total to Walker's four so like there's lots of opportunity for Penny here whether game script goes right completely right for Seattle, or if it's competitive. And so Penny also, you can play Jamal Williams and Penny in tournaments, but you can also leverage off of Jamal Williams with Penny, thinking Williams isn't on the field anyway because Penny's the one burning him and like they're dominating time o'clock and just possession. So I like Penny a whole lot this week. Yeah, and it's not even just leverage off of Jamal Williams. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be one of the most popular tight ends on the slate um, just because of, of Amonra St. Brown um, being out. It's possible that one of the other receivers on Detroit uh, gets popular by Sunday. And then on the Seattle side, I mean, Geno is going to be talked about. Naturally, he's going to have to bring along uh, a receiver if he does get popular and the mo probably like Tyler Lockett's cheaper and he, he's performed better. He's going to, he could easily be in like 15 to 20% of lineups on either side. So not, not just leverage off, off of Jamal, you might be getting leverage off up to four players in one play with Penny. So like that is a home run tournament spot. Even if you don't love Penny, even if he's not projecting well, I mean, those are the tournament spots we are dreaming about. And if you, see a game where there are four players or, or even three players that might project or might end up around 20% and you don't have that leverage play in your player pool, maybe you, you shouldn't be playing. Uh, I, I actually wasn't going to talk about it on the show. I didn't want to steam pity because I wanted them all to myself and to the uh, four for four subs, but uh, yeah. we talked about it. So there you go. Well, Hopefully let's, first, keep, his, first, let's keep his ownership in check. If we're steaming him that high on a Friday, I will take it because that means we're doing a, a really, really good he job. Is, he is admittedly one of my favorite <laughs> tournament plays this week. 
Uh, that, that's a nice transition to another running back you like. Uh, value running back is actually insane this week, and I actually have a couple more thoughts about that. But um, what other running back do you like? I think some people may end up overthinking Khalil Herbert's situation, but we saw even against the Packers when the Bears were down 24 to 7, they called 17 runs to seven passes in the second half. Like Khalil Herbert can't get game scripted out of this game because the Bears still have a league high 57% run play rate when they're trailing this year. And so there is no, like you're looking at these cheap running backs. You want to play Jamal Williams, you want to play these other guys. Like no one is safer than Khalil Herbert because they're just going to run the ball even if they're losing by 28 points. So I'm locking Herbert in no matter what. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, he, Him and Jamal are going to be the cash game locks for me this week, and then I'll figure it out from there. Um, I, I think because of the 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 apparent the the assumed game environment in Detroit Jamal is going to be way more popular but I think by the time we get to Sunday I, I think Khalil Herbert probably is still approaching 20% ownership but if he's at like 17% um at virtually the same price as Jamal and Jamal's at like 35%. If you could get him half the ownership, he's going to be a really, really fantastic tournament play. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Like ownership is moving really, really quickly this week. I've already adjusted it twice since it came out yesterday, which I usually just, I usually do it once a day. So um, there, there's a lot to be determined there, but Khalil Herbert is one of the best value plays um, of the week. And the other value play of the week, Jamal Williams, we've already brought him up. Uh, a couple times, 7,400 Fandle, 6,100 DK in that game that we already talked about with Seattle. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Amonor St. Brown both being out. We we could really, like, if we wanted to, could stay in this game and, and give you guys cash plays galore from it. I, I think probably I will cap my cash game plays at two players from this game. Um, I, I just don't think this is a game I want to be stacking heavily in cash. But uh, Seattle... 31st in 4 for 4 schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, allowing the second most rushing yards to running back specifically, allowing six receptions per game. Uh, we saw that Jamal actually does have a little bit of a floor. We saw him with a 45% snap share last week, but that turned into um, still turned into 22 touches. But like, I, I think he is like, I think his floor is lower than we think with Craig Robinson in there last year in two games that Williams played without Swift, his rushes went up, but his receiving totals actually went down. And in the only game he played with Craig Reynolds, Craig Reynolds was the one that got the receiving work, not Jamal Williams. So I, I do think that he's a lock in cash, but I do think he could bite a lot of people in tournaments because of that. Like he's not, he's not going to play 80% of snaps. For instance, he's a top eight player in Paulson's redraft rankings right now. He's such an awesome redraft player, but like it's so easy to paint narratives whenever we're trying to leverage off of high rostered spots. So easy to explain the narrative of how Jamal William bust in this game. Yeah, and if we had a, a sample where he comes in and and he is one of those backs like like an Alexander Madison, I'm going to eat the Alexander Madison shock all the time because we've seen him come in, get 25, 30 touches, whatever it might be, just get all the running back work, catch the ball, and smash. Jamal, we have, uh, albeit a small one, we have a sample of the starter in this offense being out and him not just taking over the role. So um, there is some concern there. He is one of the best values on the site on both sides. And um, if CMC is out, he'll only move up in our value rankings. But uh, I, I am interested in, in Jamal and cash. Obviously he's going to lock there. The one thing that I was going to say about running back and, and because I do think this is a very peculiar work in terms of 
how salary positional allocation is going to work out. And this is DraftKings specific because on on FanDuel, I think we're always in tournaments at least always like 50-50 on um, what we're going to use in the flex in tournaments. On DraftKings tournaments, wide receiver has been dominating. I actually think with the value plays at running back and with like maybe some of the high-end guys not being being used um, at running back with people trying to pay up for the pass catchers, Diggs and Andrews, I think an interesting way to approach tournaments this week and to flip the bill is not just with salary, but using a running back in the flex. Uh, in general, only about 30 to 40% of the field is using a running back in the flex in large field DraftKings tournaments. Um, in in the top 1% of tournaments so far this year, that number's a little below 30%. But if we look at the last couple of years in large field, just a millionaire maker, that number of teams that win using a running back in the flex, it's about like 40 to 45%. And then in small field stuff, it's, I don't have the numbers, but I'm guessing it's even higher because you're just shooting for like a 90th percentile score. So I think I might dabble with more running back in the flex tournament lineups than I typically do this week. But obviously for everyone listening, not Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, like the, those yeah, players, yeah, no, no. yeah the, all the high roster players are very clear. Uh, yeah. I think this cash week is going to be significantly easier when the dust settles than last week. Like a, like a Khalil Javante, Nick Chubb or something like that. I don't know if that would fit, but like something like that makes, makes sense. I, I am. Well, again, I'm saying too much in the free show. I am shocked <laughs> to see Chubb's ownership. Like I thought he was an obvious play. I am shocked to see less than 5%. That's wild. Yeah, that makes me gonna... rethink everything. We're going to be talking about him on Sunday. Um, speaking of the Browns, natural segue, who do you like at receiver this week? So I did think Chubb would get over-rostered, so I, I like Amari Cooper as a pivot, but honestly, Amari Cooper's just an awesome play. Also on DraftKings, again, there aren't good tight end options this week, so I think naturally everyone will get to David Njoku at 3,700, who in itself is an awesome play as well. But we've now seen that that 32% target share Donovan Peoples-Jones accrued in week one was just a blemish. That's it. We haven't seen them since. And it's instead been Amari Cooper the past two games. They've dipped play calling as Jacoby Brissett's depth of target by a full yard, yard and a half the past two weeks. And then that's allowed him to be a more accurate passer. And Amari Cooper has soaked up a 36% target share to a David Njoku's 25%. Next closest in the team in that span. This is very clearly Amari Cooper's entire target tree to win. And so he's, uh, yet again, an awesome play this week in a game that Looks like it's definitely going to get weighed heavily by the field, but they're playing the players that like I am not going to play, right? So like I do like Njoku, but if you told me I can have Cooper over Njoku, I'll make it work. Um, I like the Falcon side. Mariota's checking in. That's why you mentioned Geno Smith. Geno Smith is going to be over 10% less rostered than Marcus Mariota this week. Mariota's coming in heavily. And like, I don't believe in his ceiling because we're getting eight carries per game and he's still not reaching a ceiling. Like he's not reaching a top 12 ceiling at all. He's a QB 13 right now in DraftKings points. So it's like, okay, it's still not a QB one, even with eight carries per game. Like I don't really want to roster down for him at all. And so, yeah, there are, I do like this game. I just don't like going overweight. Like a lot of people are. Yeah, uh, the, the difference in this game is the the pace concerns. Obviously, Cleveland wants to run the ball. They can slow it down a lot. But I, I do like single stacking this game or mini stacking this game. So if, if you want to single the Falcon side, which 
is probably going to end up being pretty chalky. I think you could bring it back with Amari. I think if you don't like Nick Chubb, I think like an Amari and and uh, either Kyle Pitts or Drake London just uh, without one of the quarterbacks is fine. And the hope when you do that is that even if it is slow pace, like the points can still concentrate on one player. You might even argue that it's more likely to concentrate on one player because there's it's less likely for the ancillary players to get going or or not just the not even the ancillary players, but the the one A one B situations to get going. So the hope is, you know, uh, um, if you roster Amari in a skinny stack, that he gets he gets the touchdowns and, and Chubb or Hunt don't. Um, there are only five players going into Week Four that rank top thirty in target share, air yard share, route participation, and targets per route run. Those players are C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, A.J. Brown. Those we would expect. The fifth one, Amari Cooper. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I like Michael Pittman. He wasn't a guy that was um, on my first pass radar, but when projections came out at four for four, he was popping as a top two value on both sites, 7,500 on FanDuel, 7,200 on DK against Tennessee. Indy is favored by three and a half at home in a game with a a somber 43-point over under, but Michael Pittman, kind of like we talked about with with uh, the Browns and, and the Falcons, even if they're not throwing a ton or, or the game is kind of slow, he is going to just soak up such a big percentage of the offense, particularly the passing offense, that he's going to be a really big value play. 11 targets per game, 26% target share, 31% air yard share. Tennessee is 26 in pass EPA per play allowed. And Michael Pittman should spend quite a bit of time on cornerback Christian Fulton, who has allowed the fifth most yards per target, uh, yards per coverage target among all cornerbacks that have played at least 75 coverage targets. So uh, as long as Pittman has been healthy, um, he's going to get the work. He even like out outdone himself last week a lot of times coming back from the quad injury it's not just the game missed but the first game back usually takes time at least one game for wide receivers with lower leg injuries but he he's right back in the mix um and, and got it going you also talk about spinning up potentially with these values what everyone will do but Pittman being an awesome play amazing play um no one's going to run a skinny stack with Derrick Henry and that's something I've toyed with. I don't think it sticks. It's never stuck in the past. But a route on a season high, 55% of dropbacks from Tannehill last week, over half of the team's dropbacks, and matched his career high in targets. Like, what if that receiving work sticks? Um, then, like, we have the hit Derrick Henry we always won. And again, it's only one one game sample, and it hasn't happened in the past. I do like Derrick Henry's ceiling. Yeah, I'm I'm really mad I wasted my uh 4% big dog 25 points on some crappy lineups last week, but uh <laughs> we, we could we could run it back with them. Uh going back to that that Browns Falcons game. Um we actually have a few guys to talk about this game coming up, but you like one of the right receivers. Yes, because again, with tight end being down bad, I think a lot of people are just going to naturally play Kyle Pitts. Everyone seems to love playing Kyle Pitts for some reason. Uh, but London has out-targeted Kyle Pitts 25-18 on the season. Everyone makes a big deal about Kyle Pitts' 40% target share from last week, but Drake London was right there with a 30% target share, and week two soaked up a 46% target share. Like, Drake London's the better play, especially in this matchup. So, uh, Kyle Pitts, we know he has a ceiling. Um, 
33% of his targets this year have come 20 plus yards downfield. The issue is Marcus Mariota has been a bottom four quarterback in on target throws 20 plus yards downfield. So like, you know what you're getting, you're getting prayer yards and maybe that hits, but the bottom as we've seen also falls out completely if it doesn't hit. Whereas Drake London, I, I think is the better, more consistent play. So I will let the field play Kyle Pitts. I will gladly skinny stack Amari Cooper and Drake London in this game. Did you say prayer yards? They are prayer yards. Yes. I'm if you, I'm, uh, using that, I'm using that in a write-up next they week. They can't, they can't be air yards when it's just prayers every time you throw them. <laughs> I'm using that next week. Um, going back to uh, another game that we already talked about, that Raiders uh, Broncos game. You laid out why Russell Wilson is a very good tournament play, and maybe the only cash game play in that entire game is Cortland Sutton at six eight hundred on FanDuel, yeah. six thousand four hundred on DraftKings. Um, I mean, he's dominating every single usage stat on that team by a, by a pretty big margin. You mentioned Javante has some of his numbers boosted, but that's really um, due to Judy being out. But Corlin Sutton has been the constant for Russell Wilson, 28% target share, 46% air yard share, very underrated 40% end zone target share, obviously a small sample, but the targets going into the end zone are the ones that score. So we like them a lot. He's a top six wide receiver value on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, we just, uh, in addition to adjusted fantasy points allowed model, we just re-released the wide receiver breakout model, very similar to the fantasy points expectation model that we have in our player stat tool developed by Stam, Sam Hoppin. But Kevin Zatluko also developed our wide receiver breakout model that goes even deeper into the wide receiver um, regression candidates. Cortland Sutton is fifth in breakout model expected fantasy points, and he is still performing slightly below expectation. Probably not a surprise when you consider what uh, Russell Wilson, that offense has been doing. So um, even if you don't think they pop huge, Cortland Sutton's usage makes him a cash game play and his ownership actually might make him not, not a tough tournament play, but I think if I'm playing Cortland Sutton in tournaments, it makes sense to pair him with Russ because it offsets that low ownership. By a mile. Again, no one's going to play Russ at all. I, I, no matter how much I tout it, and I think I've touted it on three different shows this week, uh, across the 4-4 four, four platform, no one's going to play Russ. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think after talking about Corlin Sutton and our value running backs and, and Michael Pittman, um, I think it's going to be a, a very balanced cash game week, um, which runs contrary to what we're going to be doing in tournaments with those um, with those those studs and duds builds i i think or at least what people are going to be doing it's going to be really washtrick construction is going to be crazy this week i this is i mean i always try to build late on sundays but sometimes i can't help it because i get poured on saturdays but but i think it's going to be again another week where don't don't uh don't build early this week completely agree uh, let's move on to tight ends. We actually haven't talked about this game much. We we didn't talk about any players in Bills Ravens, but we went into that game to start. But we haven't talked about the Philly game much yet. Who do you like there? I still question the validity of Jacksonville's defense. We've now seen them allow 28 fantasy points, 300 yards, and four touchdowns to Carson Wentz. Then they got that immaculate spot that we talked about against Matt Ryan, the Colts offense in week two that they were bound to destroy them in. And then, of course, last week, hit the nuts with injured Justin Herbert and injured center Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater end game. So there's really been no reason for Jacksonville's defense to, to fail and the one opportunity that they could have, they did. And so we do expect points from Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team, boring weather. Uh, maybe even if it's points through Miles Sanders, since Boston Scott was now ruled out 
uh, probably another player I'll add to my tournament list, honestly. But overall, we know A.J. Brown and in particular Devonta Smith. With, with what Smith has done the past two weeks are going to be the highest rostered players if you're stacking with Jalen Hurts. And given, again, how fragile tight end this week, I think I'm trying to drag along the ceiling of Dallas Goddard with Jalen Hurts instead. Uh, we've seen him injured last week, first of all. But before then, the first two games, he ran around on 84% of dropbacks. Like He's out there as an every-down tight end, and as we know, historically, still offers the explosiveness to match Kyle Pitts, David Njoku, um, maybe not Mark Andrews, but Dallas Goddard can go toe-to-toe with most of these tight ends. They're going to be rostered more. And so I think he's a great stacking option with Hurts if you get there. Yeah, every with DFS, I, I really try every single week to, to start Monday or Tuesday, like a completely new season and, and take a step back and, and try to see if like, like really start with the fresh slate. One of the first things I, I do is just obviously look at matchups, look at, look at Vegas totals and look at offense versus defense matchups. And one of the first things I looked at this week was that really good Eagles offense against that really highly ranked Jaguars defense. And and for a split second, I paused and said, is there something to this? Or are we going to, are we going to believe in this Jags D? And I caught myself pretty quick and was like, nah, this, I don't think if it is, this is the week they, they're, they're not showing up this week. I don't think. No, I don't, I don't think this is the week, uh, which again, maybe is reason to also get off the Eagles because as we saw last week, they built that 24, nothing lead first half over the commanders. And like Jalen Hurts didn't even hit his passing yards prop because they didn't use him in the second half. Like they just scaled all the way back and said like, we won this game in two quarters. So this, I didn't know if we were, if I was going to get to, to share this little tidbit this week, but I'm glad you said that. Cause I, there, there is this, I, I, I go back and forth because I always hear people say like, we want our our offenses to be pushed, but at the same time, I we have seen if a team absolutely rolls another team, you know, sometimes they get there in three quarters. Sometimes there's enough for it. So, like, I was thinking, do we want our offenses to be pushed, especially for our quarterbacks? Do we need our offenses to go nuclear, to be in shootouts, not just blowouts? I went back five years and looked at every quarterback that has um, scored at least 35 DK points. That was like 102 quarterbacks, I think. The average opponent point scored for those quarterbacks, opponent point scored, not point scored for their team, was 30 points. If we bump that up to uh, 40 DK points, I think that brought the sample to like 30 quarterbacks. The average opponent point scored was 33 points. Now there were quite a few games in there where the point differential was double digits, but still the other teams were still scoring points. I think there was only out of those 102 quarterbacks, I think there was only like six instances where it was a double digit point differential for the quarterback with at least 35 DK DK points and the opposing team being under 20 points. So that narrative that you want your quarterback to be pushed, especially in tournaments, there is actually some data behind it. So uh, glad. Uh, Still amazing. Um, yeah, like he, he was. Yeah, he, he threw those three first half touchdowns, um, but also he still scored 30 points and finishes the QB three on the week. What really happened is that one, he wasn't pushed. So 30 points, although you would think that's normally good enough. You had Lamar Jackson going nuclear and getting that's, pushed at the same time. So like J- Lamar Jackson scored 16 more DraftKings points than Jalen Hurts. It's absolutely insane. 
that's the issue. And that's what we need to be cognizant every week. And this is why I was okay. I think in week two going with the Carson Wentz every single week. It's not just that you need to not have Jalen hurts to go nuclear. It's you need, you need to not have Patrick Mahomes, Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson to go nuclear. So if you're trying to decide like, is it worth it to play a, a quarterback? Like how many of these quarterbacks are in nuclear spots? Um, yeah. So like, yeah, if you, if Jalen hurts doesn't, if, if he stops at 28 points, that's a great cash game score. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to win. It's three hundred and three TDs or bust. Honestly, like that's yeah. what you your quarterback has to have that in his yeah. range of outcomes. That's why I worry about Mariota getting steam because, like, I just don't think he has that. I don't think he even has a hundred rushing yards that he can tack on to two touchdowns. So, absolutely agree. Um, that is really really encouraging for my final positional player of the week, Kyle Pitts, sixty one hundred um, on Fanduel, five thousand dollars on DK. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, we we talked about this game. Like there there there's not going to be a uh, like it isn't a game that I'm going to mega stack or anything, but there are a lot of, of skinny stacks that make a lot of sense, whether it is a single with Mariota, whether it is a, a chub with a Kyle Pitts or, or a, an Amari with a Drake London, any, any skinny combo I think makes sense. I just don't think you want to be eating two chalk players in this game, which is really just on the Falcon side or playing like four players from this game. But Pitts is still a really good value. Um, this game is really weird because it was down at 40, open at 45 and all the way up to 49, back down to 47 and a half. So the total has been kind of bouncing all over the place. 47 and a half seems like a pretty good number. Um, after everything you talked about with uh, Pitt's big shares the last couple of weeks, now all the way uh, second behind Andrews in weighted opportunity rating. If you look at Sam Hoppin's article, uh, usage article, he has a really nice charts that lay out um, – Every players and teams opportunity pace uh, plays whatnot and on tight ends it's just like this cluster of players and then Kyle Pitts above everybody else and then Mark Andrews just way in this other stratosphere but uh, Pitts is trying Pitts is trying to chase him down uh, Cleveland a ceiling up. play like, like, <laughs> yeah, like we talked yeah. about yeah he's it's a ceiling play. Yeah, absolutely. Pit, pit, 100% a ceiling play. Um, I, I don't think I have any interest in pits in cash games. Uh, Cleveland ranks outside the top 20 in past EPA per play allowed. You talked about Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Uh, they're getting all the targets, very similar to what you talked about about with the Broncos as well. I love targeting concentrated passing games because you're just not going to get surprised by somebody else. Um, you know, a, a team like, um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, but, but I, I like, uh, targeting these concentrated passing games because we know where the ball is going to go. So the likelihood of the player that you pick uh, popping is going to be a lot higher. We already talked about the obvious base concerns from Cleveland, but we talked about how to handle that. Um, quickly, we, we don't spend a ton of time on defense, but uh, we got a really, really good value this week at defense that you like. And there are some sneaky options here. Like if you think the lines fail, I think sneaking in the Seahawks defense is a good option. Um, but I do like the Cardinals a lot. I like the Cardinals to win straight up. First of all, I picked them on move the line. Uh, I'm just eating the point and a half. And that's because Baker Mayfield has, uh, he's 33rd right now in completion rate from a clean pocket. His, his completion rate actually goes down 43% when he's under pressure because it's Baker Mayfield. Um, no quarterback is playing worse this year. Well, until Brian Hoyer takes the field on Sunday. But to date, no quarterback has played worse than Baker Mayfield. And Cardinals are only getting healthier on defense. J.J. Watt upgraded to a limited practice on Friday. He'll be good to go. Zayvon Collins should be out there as well. And Marco Wilson looking to start in their secondary, who they need in the slot. So overall, even though I understand both Rondo Moore and Marquise Brown are questionable, and it sounds like, Rondo Moore 
is going to be out there. It sounds like we'll get both of them back this week. Um, the Cardinals, I'm not worried about the injuries at all. Like I said, healthier on defense. I think it's a great matchup for them. Yeah, I have. This is the biggest defensive player pool I've had um, so far. It's only week four, but in my write-up, there are a lot of really good defense. Who's going plays. to be the highest roster? Cardinals on DK, Raiders on FanDuel, I God think. Damn, I didn't realize the Cardinals were going to be the highest roster. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But but on FanDuel, I, th- I think Raiders are going to – Raiders only 3K on FanDuel. I'm, I'm not sure on DK. I'm going to have to double-check that. But Raiders on FanDuel are going to be the, the most popular. Um the the one team that is popping in both of our value reports and in defensive projections are very very flimsy, but it always catches my eye when one team is ranking very high in our value reports. Giants at forty three hundred on Fanduel, thirty one hundred on DraftKings against Chicago. Giants favored at home against Chicago. Top three value on both sides according to four for four projections. Uh, they are like in that middle salary tier, which on Fanduel is easy to get up to forty three hundred. It's Sometimes tough to get above 3K on DraftKings, and I like targeting teams that with my defenses that pass a lot. Chicago obviously isn't that team, but they're allowing the highest pressure rate in the league. So what you're going to give up um, in in passing volume and more opportunities, their offensive line is just going to give you a plethora of opportunities. I think the Giants make a ton of sense in tournaments. Obviously, if you don't have Herbert in your lineup, pairing them uh, with Saquon because Saquon's going to be very, very popular. So you get some correlation there. And then I, I don't, again, I don't think you're going to pay up for, for them in cash games um, just because of Herbert, because of their salary. But I just wanted to point out the chance because they are popping in our models pretty big this week. I agree. And the hangup you talked about, that's my concern. Uh, even in the waiver wire column when I was writing them up, I had to drop them down the streaming ranks. Cause it's like how much passing volume will we yeah. really get? That's my yeah. only thing. Um, Justin Fields, like his career at Ohio State, like his rookie year, uh, this year he's one for nine against the Blitz. He's been historically terrible against the Blitz, and Wink Martindale is still sending the house at the league's third highest rate. Like That's how they play defense in New York. So if they do pass the ball, they will have success. The Giants' defense will. But I I, I just don't know how much it will be. I mean, they haven't yeah. thrown it 18 times in any game yet. So Yeah, I'm going to go with a uh, hot take here and just throw out a second defense. I'm going to say Trayvon Diggs gets a pick six this week, maybe even two. That's a good uh, defense. Uh, Dallas Dallas pressure rate is high. Uh, uh, Washington's allows high pressure, and they throw out a very high adjusted pass rate. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's impossible to predict defensive touchdowns. Dallas is very expensive, so people aren't going to play them. Trayvon Diggs pick six this week. Commanders have been down 46 nothing outscored in the last two first halves. Like they just get trounced and then are forced to throw the ball, which is good for our defensive volume in the second half. Yes, it is. Um, well, if you want more of those hot takes and touchdown predictions, make sure you're checking out the GPP Discord show at 10.45 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, apparently, we've been crushing it in there. At least the subcri- subscribers have been using our uh, suggestions and doing well. We're going to put it all together and have a big score for you guys coming up. Uh, so hopefully, we'll be sharing that with you come Sunday afternoon. Just a reminder, if you haven't signed up yet, 4 for 4 for 4, four, for four to get access to that discord channel and the rest of our tools and content use the promo code subtember spelled out at the bottom for you subtember to get you 25 percent off the dfs sub if you're watching on youtube that runs through the end of tonight if you're getting this audio uh in the morning and it's not still live shoot me a message and we can figure something out uh if you enjoy what we do please 
rate and review on your podcast platform. Five stars always help. If it's less than five stars, don't worry about it. If you are on YouTube, please like and subscribe our videos and subscribe to our channel and follow us on Twitter. You could find Mr. Daigle at not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Four for four is always at four for four football. We will talk to you guys Sunday morning.